Welcome to PR360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. Please subscribe to PR360 on all your favorite podcasting sites and leave a five-star review if you like this podcast. If not, let us know how we can do better for you. And as always, subscribe to the YouTube page for the video episodes as well. But this week, we're going to be talking about digital marketing, small businesses, everything smaller type of freelance PR marketing people need to know about it. But I have Roberto Martinez with me, and he's the founder and CEO of Braven Agency. He's also Google Digital Coach, which great for him because I could never be. I think I'd just get too like crazy on the how do you do all this stuff. But we're really excited to have him on the show. So welcome to the show, Roberto. Thank you so much, Brett. Happy to be here. Yes, and we're happy that you're here as well. But first question is, all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? I love both. I alternate. I think coffee's great, uh, but the effects wear off if you continuously use it. So I tend to, you know, three on, one off, or vice versa uh, with coffee and tea. I absolutely need to operate in some type of caffeine, but yeah, it's too much. You can't. <laughs> Coffee gets you the jitters and anxiety, so you gotta cycle off and cycle on. Yeah, I mean, caffeine does, I guess, affect people differently, but also the way you brew it is how you get different caffeine as well. So, just a tip for you on that one. Yeah, the consumption. No, I love it. I, I love cold brew. I do everything from French press, cold brew, espresso, and everything in between. I have a good friend that has a coffee company. So, ah, well, okay. that helps. <laughs> that helps quite a bit too, because coffee is expensive. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he uh, he's a alchemist in, in the kitchen. He knows exactly what temperature and all kinds of bells and whistles. Nice. And I gave a brief summary of your expertise, but can you give our listeners a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, I help grow, scale, and optimize small businesses using digital marketing tools. So that's my claim to fame. I've been doing this for about 15, 16 years in some capacity. Used to do it for the government and started to do it for a big business and then realized Neither of them need my help, so I went down and started working with small businesses because those individuals are the ones that I'm more passionate about. They really are invested. They really put their skin in the game, so I want to help them grow in scales. Got you. And then so what are some things affecting small to medium-sized businesses when it comes to digital marketing? Because, I mean, we had the pandemic, now we have inflation, and like everything, everybody's going, what do I do? And maybe a recession. A lot of people are saying we're already starting to get into one. So, I mean... How is this all affecting their digital marketing initiatives? No, Brett, that's a great question. I actually was the entrepreneur in residence for the city of Los Angeles because of the pandemic. And so I got to see firsthand how the pandemic affected small business. And we created a program called LA Optimized and allowed small businesses to receive free services from the city. And what you see is you see a lot of folks realizing they need to invest more in marketing and sales, PR, what have you. And so you see this ebb and flow almost as a they see that their revenue is not <laughs> hitting the numbers that they used to hit. So now they have to do something about it. So from my perspective, we saw a lot of businesses start looking for options to increase their sales. And really what ends up happening is the need is 
survival now. It's no longer a, I need a website, I need to be online. Now it's either online and you grow or you go the way of the dinosaur. So we saw a lot of businesses look at those websites, those third party platforms like the Shopify's, like the Pinterest, like the Amazons and the uh, even even Target and, and, and Walmart, they started selling their products there because they needed to find a way where customers can go there and buy remotely. And it became a necessity. So you saw a huge influx in the amount of folks using these digital tools. And with the digital market transition, did it help with like, let's say curbside or for food industry, like doing the DoorDash and trying to market that way? Because there's, I mean, different industries were trying to figure out different ways to, I guess, stay alive for quite a while. And and to a certain extent right now, they're trying to figure out ways to keep costs down. So is it that ways as well that they were trying to figure it out? Because I mean, small business, media businesses are getting, I would say hit the hardest out of all of them. Yes. So, I mean, you, you know that on the head, there's a lot of things going on with small business between e-commerce service and restaurants. And I think you hit on a couple of points there on the restaurant side, the inflation is absolutely devastating the restaurant business and third party delivery apps have always been a, a you know, a hit or miss or a double-edged sword, if you will, simply because of the amount of fees associated with that. And it eats away at the margins that these restaurants are, who are already working on, a very thin margin are operating. And so what we saw is how do we move away from that? There's different city policies, county policies that allow um, restrictions to the amount of how much those third-party delivery apps can charge. What you're seeing right now is a lot of outdoor dining because the pandemic is still with us, even though we seem to have pulled out of it. Uh, there's still every couple of weeks, you know, variations of the different viruses that are coming out. So what you're trying to figure out as a restaurant owner is how do I keep my costs low? How do I retain my employee base, which is really difficult to do? Uh, and how do we make sure we are able to communicate to our customers in a way that makes sense? And I think that's where you're at right now on the digital marketing side for restaurants, communicating to those customers and telling them, hey, we're going to raise our prices. We have to unless you want us to go uh, bankrupt. And it's really important for restaurants to get ahead of that. Uh, what we've seen, and we're working with the city right now to create a, a restaurant task force and different partners within that restaurant space to figure out different solution sets, digital solution sets to help them lower their operational costs. And to, to my surprise, presence of surprise, we see a lot of third-party partners, tech partners coming in and saying, hey, we're willing to discount our rates, willing to work with the restaurants as long as we do in a cohesive uniform manner so that's good news on that front on the small business front it's, it's you know e-commerce same thing uh, especially if you're an e-commerce product the supply chain is really squeezing you right now it's it's amazing because you're seeing a huge influx in clients coming to us that have never historically came to us because they're realizing we need to lower our operations we can't do this on the ground uh, marketing campaign pr campaign a paid ad campaign. It's too expensive. Now there's, you know, huge unicorns I used to sell. I used to really do really well using the paid ad platforms like the Facebook, Instagrams, and Google to the world. And what ended up happening is they drove up the price of your cost uh, for impressions, uh, click-through rates, and return on investment for advertising. And so the small business wasn't able to compete. And so they have to think different ways of advertising their products and lower their operational costs. So what ends up happening is they come to us and say, streamline our digital operations, help us understand where the margin is and where we could shrink that margin. And the other thing you're seeing a lot from these businesses is talk about nearshoring uh, with talent because the, the, it's so expensive to run your business that they're trying to look for other solutions to hire talent, uh, maybe 
in Mexico, Central America, South America, and abroad, so that could lower their operational costs. So they're being very innovative, which I appreciate and I can respect. And it's it's all about how do we make sure we survive this. I, I think we're in a recession already. So uh, how do we survive this recession and how do we make it through the next year of inflation? Uh, and it's it's a tall task and there's no one silver bullet. What I call it is an irrigation of small little things you can do to help you with that bottom line. Nice. Yeah, true. I've heard I've heard people say we're in the we've been in a recession since March 2020. I've heard there's two negative uh, quarters, so that means we're in a recession right now. I mean, it really just depends on like what you read and what you find out. But I mean, we're talking about pandemics, but also the White House recently, President Biden, regardless if you like him or dislike him, did say that they're trying to prepare for the next next pandemic. Does this mean it's more imperative now that if small businesses haven't even did start a digital transformation to actually start doing it now? Mm, that's a great question. I actually see that as an opportunity, not as a threat. Anytime there's an urgency, it fo fo focuses people's minds and it helps them understand the value of why folks keep telling you, go online, sell online, have a presence online. And so what cities and counties can do is create small business entrepreneurial ecosystems. And some cities have done a great job investing into their infrastructure to be able to allow small businesses to create their business locally and spur the local economy. What you see is anywhere from three to five X uh, investment into the local economy when they shop local, create their company local. Even when it comes to self-identifying as a certain diverse business group, you see those self-identifying features within your business profile, your website, actually help drive sales. But on the government side, this idea there's gonna be a new pandemic, I think he's just building capacity, it's infrastructure capacity. How do we make sure that this, when, if it happens again, we're ready and we're able to pivot a little bit faster than we did this past time. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine uh, once in a lifetime even happening within our, talk about the long tail curve, or the uh, long curve tail or the black swan happening back to back. That's, I, I'm, uh, I'm on the fence on that. I don't think it's going to happen, but what that does allow cities, counties, political leaders, local leadership is to create policy to help stimulate local investment into small business. That's extremely important. And from our side, I'm from Long Beach, California. We see the city of Long Beach doing great stuff. We see the city of Los Angeles doing great stuff. We see San Jose, San, San Diego, learning from those experiences, saying we need to create a better ecosystem to help our micropreneur, entrepreneur, small business, and you know, potential unicorn so that we could create a holistic approach, not a you know, one size fits all approach. And that's really exciting. Gotcha. And then do you, do you have any small or tips for small businesses for the digital aspect of it? I know that some might not be able to afford like digital coaches or anything like that, or even like marketers sometimes, sometimes they're just doing it on their own. So you have any tips for them to do their best to optimize for digital? Yeah, so Brett, if you allow me to plug in the Google Digital Coaches program, it's completely free. So I want to make sure that everyone knows that program is free of charge. Google realized the need to be with the local small business community, helping them understand how to use these digital tools at no cost. It's a free service. Google provides any and all small business. I am one of 20 coaches statewide, I mean, countrywide. I cover the state of California. Uh, grow with Google Digital Coaches California. You'll see me there. Let's sign up for my free webinars at no cost. But to your point, what can a small business do to help lower their operational cost, increase sales? 
talk to your customers. It sounds very simple, but it's really difficult to do well. It's understanding why your customer said yes to you, understanding why your customer said no to you, and then using that content, that insight, quote unquote, if you're a market researcher, and building that into your communication strategy, regardless if it's, if it's PR, paid ads, website, email marketing, you have to know why they said yes to you. Uh, I always think about networking events, receptions and whatnot, and when you go to certain receptions, you tend to gravitate to certain individuals, the way they communicate, the way they actually know what you're thinking before you even respond to them or they ask you, you ask them a question and then you know the answer and you walk away just realizing, wow, that person really gets me. That's exactly what you want your customers or prospective customers to do. So understanding why they bought from you and use your product and or service, and then using that, those words or phrases and repopulating that into your content is going to help you move the needle. Now, that's the strategy side. On the tactical side, you have to have a website that's high optimizing website. It's not good enough just to have a, a website. I, I explain it like a car. If, you have a, if you're here in a construction company, but you have a, you know, a, a car, not a truck, not very useful. You have to make sure your website's built for optimization, built for either sales, either leads, high converting in a way that helps the customer understand exactly the action you need them to take so that it converts into a sale. And we've seen some amazing success optimizing people's websites for different programs like the city of LA's LA Optimize. We optimize uh, certain restaurants' websites, certain businesses' websites, and then you see an increase of sales in the 100, 200% in a given quarter which is great. So we know that they have the capability. We just have to help them understand how to execute. It's the old, uh, you have to work on your business, not just in your business. Gotcha. And then, I mean, you talked about website optimization. Does that mean actually going through your website and pretending you're a customer? Because that could probably help going, okay, I clicked here. This this seems really hard to get to or too many clicks. Should small business owners like do that every once in a while, just go through their website pretend to be a a customer and be like, okay, this was really difficult. We need to change this type of a thing. I love it, Brett. I mean, you're talking about design thinking there, right? Empathy mapping, putting yourself in the shoes of your prospective customer and then walking through their customer journey, understanding why they said yes, what's their, what's called the micro moment when they actually realized they needed your product or service. What happened in their day? Was it daytime, nighttime, middle of the day? Was it lunchtime? And then seeing how many clicks it takes or how many actions it takes for the customer to finally say yes to you. So uh, that is extremely important exercise for anyone to do just, or the better way yet, get one of your customers to show you how they did it. Bring them, you know, friends, families, and pools as in investors will love to say, get them in and get them investing in your company. Same thing with your customers that you trust, have them show you how they actually got to buy your product and or service. And then you could see, okay, well, this was, less intuitive, this is more intuitive. How do we streamline? That's optimization 101. Uh, I'm always reminded of uh, Airbnb and, and the founders. They had to fly to New York to see how people were using their uh, their application. And so the engineers created the application in a certain way based on their view of the world. And then when the customer got the product, they use it a completely different way. And you know, we definitely don't want to create solutions or websites with us in mind, but rather our customers in mind. Gotcha. And then, I mean, there's been talk about the next version of the web and everything and everybody's, a lot of marketing podcasts are like all on board on it, but for small businesses, like what should they focus on now? And maybe 
help to prepare for the next version of web. I know it's not going to be for quite a while, but it's still something to talk about to be prepared for eventually. That's a great question as well. This idea of web 3.0 metaverse. Uh, I always tend to just simplify things into their common denominator, uh, first principles. It's just a brand extension. I mean, that's an extension of what web 3.0 metaverse is. It's we used to have brick and mortar TV, radio, offline marketing, and then you have activations like a reception or an event and you bring very famous people, very popular influencers, and then you go to that reception, reception event, and then you get to experience the brand through, you know, talking to those individuals, talking to people who use the brand, think Nike, think uh, a lot of products, Coca-Cola does a lot of this, uh, Pandora used to do live events. So you have an affinity now, a connection, a physical, visceral reaction to the brand. And so what is Web 3.0? As people move online more and more and become more uh, ingrained into the Web 3.0 metaverse, your brand is going to have to live there as well. And customers are going to have to interact with that brand in that new space. So that's all it means. So as you hear more podcasts, what they're talking about big brands, Fortune 500, that have the dollars to invest into creating an alternative universe. How do they create an, a visceral experience for you to actually have a positive experience when they touch the brand in the metaverse? Now, for a small business, how do we bridge that gap? Well, you start thinking about what's the MVP, what most viable program, or in this case, most viable solution that you can create in the metaverse on Web 3.0. And I think it's already happened in the past, so it's, it's just an extension of uh, a product company, for example, Jap uh, Japan is very ahead of the curve. South Korea is very ahead of the curve when it comes to product services. They'll have screens of different products that you can buy. You can just click on your phone and click on the product and they'll ship it to you directly. So if you take that one step further, you throw on you know, a headset and now you'll be able to see it or you have an avatar of yourself and you have different clothing lines that you can switch on and off. You could create something that's low fidelity, uh, not a lot of investment. For prospective customers to live on that the adoption rate of those technologies is in uh, medium to long-term future two to five years now i my perception for it to be uh mass use like you should have a, a critical mass within the population as opposed to early adopters which is where we're at right now it makes sense so for a small business work on your online presence work on your business listings work on your website work on creating clear-cut messaging work on providing value to your customer and clearly understanding why they said yes and why they said no to you. That 3.0 will happen, but there's not enough adoption just yet. I agree. It's it's very early adopter stage, especially since gamers aren't really buying the VR units that they're still trying to convince us to buy. So even in the gaming sphere of VR, it's still not there yet. So I don't see VR adapting quite yet. I would say like 10 years. The technology is not there yet to me. Yeah, no, it's great. I love these sports. I think that if you see what industries are going to adopt it first, they'll be your uh, canary in the coal mine. So once you start seeing them start adopting it, then you can start realizing, okay, well, this is going to happen. But I mean, right now we're, we're kind of still dealing with day-to-day uh, -day life. It's true. And then as a, a, a digital coach for Google, what are some things or what are some misunderstandings that small businesses may have when it comes to digital marketing? Yeah, I, I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. It's the need to work on your business, not just in your business. So what do I mean by that? We're so busy that we're servicing our clients. We're delivering on the service or on the product and on the, uh, the request that came in. 
And sometimes we need to step away from that and look at a six month, year, two years out and start creating some strategy there so that we can build functionality and capability, capacity building. And that's a big challenge. I absolutely love our small business community. They're so, they're, they have grit. Every single one of the small business owners that I've worked with has amazing grit. Resiliency comes to mind. They're very resilient in what they're doing. They're able to make it through different ebbs and flows of the economy, but they're working in their business. And sometimes you need to work on your business, take a step back, realize, do I really want this to scale? And I, I think what I'm really talking about is understanding your why. If you understand your why, why you're doing what you're doing, that's going to guide your strategy. That's going to guide if you're going to work day to day or trying to build it out to something bigger. I have a really good friend that's an investor, uh, institutional investor, and he says there's two things. There's your mom and pop shops, which are great lifestyle companies. You know, I want to make sixty to hundred thousand dollars a year. That's my lifestyle. I'm not going to scale this to a million. I'm happy at this range. And then you have your no, I want to scale this to a million, five million, ten million, or with your unicorns. Understanding what kind of company you have as a small business owner is probably the first step to realize, okay, well, then this is what I'm happy with. This is where I'm at, and this is where I want to be. Uh, and there's no one size fits all. You just have to be okay with that. And once you understand that, then you can start diving into individual strategies within each one of those three roadmaps. Gotcha. So almost it's like step away from your business, do the vision part of our macro, as you said, because the macro will make help you identify your strategy in the short term so it's basically long term first then short term is that what i'm hearing yeah you always work backwards so you do your two to five year plan out and then you work six months but you have to know what you're shooting for it's like the alice in wonderland quote like where am i going well i, I don't know and it doesn't matter where you go right it's, you have to know what you're shooting for you have to know what your aim is towards what you're trying to accomplish if you're if i meet with you and you say i want to increase sales that's not very insightful that's not you're not thinking everyone wants to increase sales what kind of stuff do you want to increase? Who are your target customers? Where's your growth potential? Where are your high value customers versus your low value customers? What can we specialize in? What makes you the best of the best of the best in your sector? And let's focus on that. Let's find your high value customers and let's scale your company. But if you're just thinking very like high level, aren't really thinking through why I'm doing this, it's really hard for you to get to that uh, goal. And then once you do that, I mean, that, that's probably the biggest thing you, you have to push ourselves. We have to push ourselves to think, why are we doing this? Are we just trying to, you know, do a side hustle, which is great. I understand it. Or are we trying to build something that's long lasting? Our kids are going to have it. Our, our community is going to love it. And we're going to build an uh, ecosystem and moat around it. So that's the number one thing I, I push our, our partners and our small businesses to. Gotcha. And then what do you think the future of the small business with the digital marketing with the PR is going to look like, because I mean, right now we're in this little influx of transition to digital, making sure that we're optimized for web 2.0 or 2.5 or whatever number we're on the spectrum of web. So how, what, what is it going to look like for the future of that? I think you, you're in a nexus right now. You're at a point of inflection where you could have the government and the state and the cities come in and say, Hey, we're going to invest into ecosystems and build our next generation of entrepreneurs. I think corporate America, uh, in my personal opinion, has not done a good job providing a livable lifestyle for most of the working class. And so what happens is they start realizing, I need to subsidize my, my income, I need to subsidize my salary. So they start their side passions, their side hustles, which is great. And then if it's successful, they jump ship. And so that's what you're seeing. You're seeing this huge, at least from my perspective, huge amount of small businesses who get started 
because they're like, okay, well, this is a good company. They're not paying the bills, but I need more. I, I want more and I want more control. And a city or a county can create an ecosystem that nurtures that. So I think that's the future. It depends how much the, the city and state really want to create that entrepreneurial ecosystem. And I think there's some amazing economic directors. Uh, we had a couple here in Los Angeles, Long Beach and Los Angeles have amazing economic directors that really invest into the future of our startup small business community. If you do that, you're building a bridge to the future and you're building a tax base for the future and you're creating a lot of incentives locally to help these businesses properly scale and help out. I mean, you want to teach a man how to fish, but you also want to give the man the rod to fish. And that's the role of government, in my opinion. You can definitely create capacity there. I think that's the future. I think as you start seeing more and more businesses, I think they're going to have to start realizing how to adapt to the new world when it comes to third-party platforms, leveraging those third-party platforms to really drive sales. And so there needs to be a, a, a connection between what the immediate needs are versus what the future needs are. Mm, gotcha. And then fun question for you. Since you're a coach for Google, what like what team, what professional team would you like to coach for hypothetically? No, I, I love the question. I, I was thinking I, I wouldn't want to be a coach. I'd rather be a manager, right? Like let the coaches do the coaching job. I, I'll find the talent. I'll you know manage the salaries. I'll bring in more funding. I absolutely love that piece. I don't know if you ever, I'm big into FIFA. I'm big into uh, Major League Baseball. My, my family loves, you know, we're not gamers per se, but we love those sports. And the management functionality of those games is super amazing so I, either dodgers lakers or i'm a chelsea fan for epl so one of epa one of those three leagues uh, those are the three sports that i would love to manage i think you know ha- buying cristiano ronaldo and having him retire i think he's trying to go to chelsea or in the dodgers like, building up they're really bad right now they don't have big bats right now um and so we are not producing enough runs i would love to be the manager that goes out and finds the right talent to build out uh, we have a great farm system, but we need, we need bigger bats. Hey, so. Angels aren't doing any better. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you have two of the best players in the, in the league. It's just amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. like number one, number two, or one and one A. You know, like, yeah. it's just amazing. I don't think the ticket sales are hurting. I think people are still going because you guys have amazing, amazing, amazing talent on the roster. Just bring it all together. Yeah, I think it's the cohesion right now. But I agree with you. Like Mike Trout and Shohei Tani are like two of the best players right now. But yeah, I could see that. I could see being a manager. I mean, like trying to fix problems or trying to find solutions with whatever. I mean, on base percentage or whatever you're trying to look for. I get it. War all day. No, no, I'm with you. I, I would love to do that. I would love to figure out, find out how to plug in the holes. I mean, that's how I think optimization. I don't think day-to-day operations is really for me. I, I would love to bring in the right pieces of the puzzle to help them uh, win championships and hang banners. Nice. And any final thoughts for listeners? No, I'm excited uh, to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. If you guys uh, want to learn more about Grow With Google Digital Coaches, go to Grow With Google Digital Coaches program. Free solutions there. Bunch of free services. We give away uh, free giveaways that are, we have three monthly events. We, and for those individuals who are in LA County, we're going to have an actual reception on July 28th. Uh, everyone is welcome. The mayor is going to say a few words, uh, and it's a thank you to the small business community. We absolutely love what you guys are doing. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So we appreciate you. I think uh, messaging is so important. Leveraging both PR and digital is going to really help you scale. So, uh, thank you so much for inviting me. 
No, um, we're happy to have you to share your knowledge on the small business side of everything and digital marketing and all that. Very cool. And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 on your favorite podcasting hosting sites. Leave a five-star review if you like this podcast. If not, let us know how we can do better for you. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Get to optimizing your website and see you next week. Later.